Hey everyone, it's Storytime with Aussie Dad, and today we're continuing the book Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Last Straw. February, Tuesday. Yesterday in the cafeteria, when I emptied out my lunch bag, I got two fruits and no snacks. This was a pretty big problem. Mum always packs cookies or sugar wafers or something in my lunch bag, and it's usually the only thing I eat, so I had no energy for the rest of the day. When I got home, I asked mum what the deal was with the two fruits thing. She said she always buys enough treats to last us the whole week, so one of us boys must have taken the snacks out of the bin in the laundry room. I'm sure mum thinks I'm the one stealing the snacks, but believe me, I already learned my lesson about doing that. Last year, I took treats out of the bin, but I totally paid the price for it when I opened my lunch bag at school and pulled out mum's substitute snack. A pack of croutons. Today at lunch, it was the same exact thing. Two fruits and no snacks. Like I said, I really depend on the boost I get from that sugar. I almost fell asleep in Mr. Watson's class in sixth period, but luckily I snapped awake when my head hit the back of my chair. When I got home, I told mum it wasn't fair, someone else was eating the treats and I was having to suffer, but she said she wasn't going to go grocery shopping until the end of the week and that I'd just have to make do until then. Dad wasn't any help either. When I complained to him, he just made up a penalty for anyone caught stealing snacks, which was no drums and no video games for a week. So obviously he thinks it's either me or Roderick. Like I said, it's not me, but I figured Dad might be right about Roderick. When Roderick went up to the bathroom after dinner, I walked down to his room to see if I could find any wrappers or crumbs. But while I was poking around in Roderick's room, I heard him coming downstairs. I had to hide quick, because for some reason, Roderick gets really bent out of shape when he catches me in his room, like he did yesterday. Right before Roderick got to the bottom of the stairs, I dove into his desk cabinet and shut the door. Roderick walked in the room, then flopped on his bed and called his friend Ward. Roderick and Ward talked forever, and I was starting to think I might have to spend the night in that desk. Roderick and Ward got into a pretty heated debate about whether or not a person could throw up while standing on their head, and I started to feel like I was going to throw up myself. Luckily, right around then, the phone's battery died. When Roderick went upstairs to get the spare phone, I made a run for it. This snack thing wouldn't even be an issue if I had money. If I did, I could just buy something from the vending machine at school every day. At the moment, though, I'm kind of broke. That's because I wasted all my money on some junk I can't even use. About a month ago, I saw these ads in the back of one of my comic books, and I sent away for a couple of things that were supposed to totally change my life. The ads in the back of the comic books were X-ray goggles, a personal hovercraft, print your own money with the cash machine, and throw your voice, which was a ventriloquism kit. I started receiving my stuff in the mail about two weeks ago. The cash machine turned out to be some stupid magic trick where you have to insert your own money in this secret slot for it to work, and that wasn't good, because I was really counting on that thing to get me out of having to find a job when I grow up. The x-ray goggles just made you see blurry and cross-eyed, so that was a bust too. The throw your voice thing didn't work at all, even though I followed the instructions in the book. 
but the item I had the highest hopes for was the personal hovercraft. I figured getting home after school would be a breeze once my hovercraft finally showed up in the mail. Well, I got the package today, but there wasn't a hovercraft inside. It was just a blueprint for how to build a hovercraft, and I got stuck on step one. Step one is acquire an industrial twin turbine engine. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> I just can't believe the people who write those ads can get away with flying the kits like that. I thought about hiring a lawyer to sue those guys, but lawyers cost money, and like I said before, a cash machine was a piece of garbage. Thursday. Today, when I got home from school, mum was waiting for me, and she didn't look too happy. Turns out the school sent home midterm report cards, and she got the mail before I could intercept it. Mum showed me the report card, and it wasn't pretty. Then she said, well, uh, we were going to wait for Dad to get home to see what he thought. Man, waiting for Dad to get home when you're in trouble is the worst. I used to just hide in the wardrobe, but recently I figured out a better way to handle it. Now... Whenever I get in trouble, I ask Grandma to come over for dinner because Dad's not going to act mad at me if Grandma's around. At dinner, I made sure I sat in the seat right next to Grandma. Luckily, Mum didn't mention my report card during dinner, and when Grandma said she needed to leave to go to bingo, I tagged right along with her. Escaping Dad wasn't the only reason I went to bingo with grandma. I also went because I needed a surefire way to make some money. I figured spending a few hours with grandma and her bingo friends was a pretty fair price to pay for a week's worth of snacks from the vending machine in the school cafeteria. Grandma and her friends are experts at bingo and they're real serious about it too. They have all sorts of gear like lucky blotters and bingo trolls and stuff like that to help them win. One of Grandma's friends is so good that she memorises all her cards and she doesn't even need to use a blotter to mark them off. For some reason, tonight Grandma and her friends weren't winning like they usually do. But then on the cover all game, I got every square. I yelled out, BINGO! real loud and a clerk came over to check my card. It turns out I messed up and covered a couple of squares that I shouldn't have. The clerk announced that my win was no good and everyone else in the room was pretty happy that they could keep playing. Grandma told me not to call so much attention to myself if I called out bingo again because the regulars don't like it when a newcomer wins. I thought Grandma was pulling my leg, but sure enough, the regulars sent one of their ladies over to intimidate me and I have to admit, she did her job really well. Friday well, today wasn't exactly my best day ever. For starters, I failed my science test, so it probably would have been a good idea to have studied last night instead of spending four hours at bingo. I fell asleep in sixth period today, and this time I was out cold. Mr. Watson had to shake me to get me to wake up. As a punishment, I had to sit in the front of the room. That was just fine with me, because at least up there I could sleep in peace. I just wish someone woke me up when sixth period ended, because I didn't wake up until the next period started. The class I woke up in was taught by Mrs Lowry. Mrs Lowry gave me detention, and on Monday I'm going to have to stay after school to serve it. 
Tonight I was totally jittery from my sugar withdrawal, but I didn't have any money to go buy a drink or lollies from the milk bar, so I did something I'm not real proud of. I went to Rowley's and dug up the time capsule we buried in his front yard, but I only did it because I was desperate. I took the time capsule back to my house, opened it up, and got out my three bucks. Then I went down to the milk bar and bought myself a big drink, a pack of gummy bears, and a chocolate bar. I guess I feel a little bad that the time capsule me and Rowley put together didn't stay buried for a few hundred years. On the other hand, it's kind of neat that one of us got to open it because we had actually put some really good stuff in there. Monday. I didn't really know what to expect from detention, but when I walked into the room, the first thought I had was, I didn't belong in here with these future criminals. I took the only empty seat which was right in front of this kid named Leon Rickett. Leon is not the brightest kid in our school. He was in detention because of what he did when a wasp landed on the window in homeroom. I found out that all you do in detention is sit there and wait for it to be over. You're not allowed to read or do your homework or anything. Which is a pretty stupid rule considering that most of the kids in there could really use the extra study time. Mr Ray was the moderator and he more or less kept an eye on us. But every time Mr Ray looked away, Leon would flick my ear or give me a wet willy or something like that. Eventually, Leon got careless and Mr Ray caught Leon with his finger in my ear. Mr. Ray said if he caught Leon touching me again, he's going to be in big trouble. I know Leon was just going to go back and to bugging me, so I decided to put a stop to it. As soon as Mr. Ray's back was turned, I slapped my hands together to make it seem like Leon hit me. Mr. Ray turned around and told Leon he was going to have to stay another half hour and that he had detention again tomorrow. On the way home, I was wondering if I made the smartest move back there at the school. I'm not exactly the fastest runner, and a half hour isn't that big of a head start. Tuesday. Tonight I realised all of my current problems can be traced back to when someone in my family started stealing the lunch snacks, so I decided to catch the thief once and for all. I knew Mum had gone grocery shopping over the weekend, so there was a fresh supply of snacks in the laundry room. That meant the snack thief was pretty much guaranteed to strike. After dinner, I went in the laundry room and turned off the light. Then I climbed in an empty basket and waited. About a half hour later, someone came in the room and turned on the light. So I hid under a towel. But it turns out, it was just Mum. I stayed perfectly still when she got clothes out of the dryer. Mum didn't notice me in there, and she dumped the clothes from the dryer right into the bin where I was hiding. Then she walked out of the room, and I waited some more. I was seriously ready to wait there all night if that's what it took, but the clothes from the dryer were really warm, and I started feeling a little drowsy, and before I knew it, I was asleep. I don't know how many hours I slept, but what I do know is that I woke up to the sound of crinkling cellophane. When I heard the sound of chewing, I turned on my flashlight and caught the thief red-handed. It was Dad! Man, I should have known it was him from the start. When it comes to junk food, he's a total addict. I started to give Dad a piece of my mind, but he cut me off. He wasn't interested in talking about why he was stealing our lunch snacks. What he was interested in talking about was what the heck I was doing buried in the pile of Mum's underwear in the middle of the night. Right at that moment, we heard Mum coming down the stairs. 
I think me and Dad realised how bad the situation looked for both of us, so we each just grabbed as many oatmeal creams as we could carry and made a run for it. Wednesday. I was still really steamed at Dad for stealing our lunch treats, and I was planning on confronting him tonight, but Dad was in bed by 6 o'clock, so I didn't get my chance. Dad went to bed so early because he was depressed about something that happened when he got home from work. When Dad was getting the mail, our neighbours from up the street, the Snellers, walked down the hill with their new baby. The baby's name is Seth, and I think he's about two months old. Every time the Snellers have a baby, six months later they throw a big half-birthday party and invite all the neighbours. The highlight of each Sneller half-birthday party is when the adults line up and try to make the baby laugh. The grown-ups do all these wacky things and make complete fools of themselves. I've been to every single Sneller half-birthday party so oh half-birthday party so far, and no baby has laughed once. Everyone knows the real reason the Snellers have these half-birthday parties is because their big dream is to win the $10,000 grand prize on America's Funniest Families. That's this TV show where they play home mov- uh, movies of people getting hit in the groin with golf balls and stuff like that. The Snellers are just hoping something really funny will happen at one of their parties so they can catch it on videotape. They've actually gotten some pretty good stuff over the years. During Sam Sneller's half-birthday party, Mr. Bittner split his pants doing jumping jacks, and during Scott Sneller's party, Mr. Odom was walking backward, and he fell in the baby pool. The Snellers turned in these videos, but they didn't win anything, so I guess they're just going to keep having babies until they do. Dad hates performing in front of people, so he'll do everything he can to avoid having to act like a fool in front of the whole neighbourhood. And so far, Dad has weaseled his way out of every single Sneller half-birthday party. At dinner, Mum told Dad he has to go to Seth Sneller's half-birthday party in June, and I'm pretty sure Dad knows that this time, his number is finally up. Thursday. Everybody at school has been talking about the big Valentine's dance that's coming up next week. This is the first year at my school that they've actually had a dance, so everyone's all excited. Some of the guys in my class were even asking girls if they would be their dates to the dance. Me and Raleigh are both bachelors at the moment, but that's not going to stop us from arriving in style. I figured if me and Raleigh scraped together some money in the next few days, we could rent a limo for the night. But when I called the limo company, the guy who answered the phone called me ma'am, so that pretty much blew any chance he had of getting my business. Since the dance is next week, I realised I was going to need something to wear. I'm kind of in a pinch because I've already worn most of the clothes I got for Christmas, and I'm almost out of clean stuff to wear. I went through my dirty clothes to see if there was anything I could wear a second time. I separated my laundry into two piles, one that I could wear again, and one that would get me sent down to Nurse Powell's office for a lecture on hygiene. I found a shirt in pile number one that wasn't so bad, except it had a jam stain on the left-hand side. So at the dance, I just need to remember to keep Holly Hills to the right of me at all times. Valentine's Day. I was up late last night making Valentine's cards for everyone in my class. I'm pretty sure my middle school is the only one in the state that still makes all the kids give cards to one another. Last year, I was actually looking forward to the card swap. The night before Valentine's Day, I spent a lot of time making an awesome card for this girl named Natasha who I kind of liked. And this was the card. 
Beloved Natasha, for you a fire blazes in my heart, so strong that the embers alone could bring a thousand hot tubs to a boil, so intense that it causes snowmen everywhere to disappear, or to despair. <laughs> Let the bonfire of my love wrap you in its warmth. Only your kiss could quench the flames that so consume me. To you I pledge my love, my desire, my life. Greg. I showed mum my card to check for spelling errors, but she said what I wrote wasn't age appropriate. She told me maybe I should just get Natasha a little box of candy or something, but I wasn't about to take romantic advice from my mother. At school, everyone went around the room and put their Valentine's cards in one another's boxes, but I delivered my card to Natasha personally. I let her read it, and then I waited to see what she made for me. Natasha dug around in her box and pulled out this cheap store-bought card that was supposed to be for her friend Chantel, who was out sick that day. Then Natasha scribbled out her friend's name and put my name on it instead. To Greg, from Natasha, I think you're far out. There's a picture of an alien with a planet in the background. Anyway, you can probably see why I wasn't too enthusiastic about the card exchange this year. Last night, I came up with a great idea. I knew I had to make a card for everyone in the class, but instead of being all mushy and saying things I didn't really mean, I told everyone exactly what I thought of them. The trick was, I didn't actually sign any of my cards. Dear James, you smell. <laughs> a few of the kids complained about the cards to our teacher, Mrs. Riser, and then she went around the room trying to figure out who sent them. I knew Mrs. Riser would think that whoever didn't get a card was the culprit, but I was prepared for that because I made a card for myself too. Dear Greg, I hate your guts. <laughs> That's not very nice. But anyway, after the card exchange came the Valentine's dance. The dance was originally supposed to be at night. But I guess they couldn't get enough parents to volunteer to be chaperones, so they put the dance smack in the middle of the school day instead. A teacher started rounding everyone up and sending them down to the auditorium at around one o'clock. Anyone who didn't want to cough up the two bucks for admission had to go down to Mr. Ray's room for study hall. But it was pretty obvious to most of us that study hall was basically the same thing as detention. The rest of us filed into the gym and sat in the bleachers. I don't know why, but all the boys sat on one side of the gym, and all the girls sat on the other. Once everyone was inside uh, was inside the gym, the teachers started the music. But whoever picked out the songs is seriously out of touch with what kids are listening to these days. Hey, hokey pokey, and you turn yourself around. Yep, that is pretty lame. Alright, for the first 15 minutes or so, no one moved a muscle. Then Mr. Phillips, the guidance counsellor, and Nurse Powell walked to the middle of the gym and started dancing. I guess Mr. Phillips and Nurse Powell thought if they started dancing, all the kids would come down onto the floor and join them. All they really did was guarantee that everyone stayed in their seat. Finally, Mrs. Mancy, the principal, grabbed a microphone and made an announcement. She said that everyone in the bleachers was required to come down onto the th floor and dance, and it would count for 20% of our phys ed grades. That was pretty good. At that point, me and a couple of other boys tried to sneak out to go down to Mr. Ray's room, but we got caught by some teachers who were blocking the exits. Mrs. Mancy wasn't kidding about the gym grade thing either. She was walking around with Mr. Underwood, the phys ed teacher, and he was carrying his grade book with him. 
I'm already close to flunk, uh, flunking phys ed, so I knew it was time to get serious, but I didn't want to look like a fool in front of the kids in my class either. So I just came up with the simplest move I could do that would technically qualify as dancing. Unfortunately, a bunch of guys who were worried about their phys ed grades saw what I was doing, and they came over to where I was. And the next thing I knew, I was surrounded by a bunch of bozos who were stealing my moves. I wanted to get as far away from those guys as I could, so I looked around the gym for a place where I could go and dance in peace. That's when I spotted Holly Hills across the room, and I remembered why I even bothered coming to the dance in the first place. Holly was dancing with her friends in the middle of the gym, and I started doing my step dance thing, moving slowly toward them. All the girls were lumped together in one big pack, and they were dancing like professionals, probably because they spend all their free time watching MTV. Holly was right in the middle of the group. I kind of danced around the outside of the circle for a while, trying to find an opening, but I couldn't. Finally, Holly stopped dancing and went to get a drink, and I knew it was my big chance. But just when I was about to go up to Holly and say something witty, Frigley came flying in out of nowhere. Frigley had pink frosting covering his face, so he was probably all hopped up on sugar from the cupcakes that were serving at the refreshments table. All I know for sure is that he totally ruined what should have been a great moment between me and Holly. A few minutes later, the dance was over, and I missed my chance to make a good impression on her. I walked home alone after school, because I just needed a little time by myself. After dinner, Mum told me there was a Valentine's card out in the mailbox with my name on it. When I asked her who it was from, she just said, Someone special. I ran out to the mailbox and got the card, and I have to admit, I was pretty excited. I was hoping it was from Holly, but there are at least four or five other girls at my school who wouldn't mind getting a card from either. The card was in a big pink envelope with my name written in cursive. I ripped it open and here's what I found. A sheet of construction paper with a piece of candy tape to it, and it was from Rowley. Sometimes, I just don't know about that boy. Uh, and that's the end of that one for today. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening.